when we walked out of the building that day, we had no clients and we had to work our tails off to bring the clients over. This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by Maine Biz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a business leader whose life was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. Welcome, Maine Biz listeners. I'm Renee Cordes with Maine Biz. Today, we'll hear from Steve Tenney, founding partner and CEO of Great Diamond Partners in Portland. We'll hear about his day that changed everything when he left an established career at a large multinational investment bank to start an independent wealth management firm and all that entailed. Daunting, yes, but also exciting, especially that first intense day and the dramatic, almost surreal way it ended. Let's find out what happened. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before, which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. Welcome to today's episode of The Day That Changed Everything. I'm Renee Cordes with Maine Biz, speaking with Steve Tenney, founding partner and CEO of Great Diamond Partners in Portland. Steve is here today to share the story about the founding of Great Diamond Partners in 2019. Steve, thanks for being here. Well, it's a pleasure to be here, and, and thanks for including me in the podcast. I will say I'm a big fan of it. I hope I can measure up to all the prior interviews. <laughs> well, thanks for being here. And now a bit about your own career path. You mentioned Tufts, and I know you studied international relations and political science. So how did you go from there to the, the world of high finance? Yeah, so I was, uh, I was working at State Street Bank in, outside of Boston in North Quincy, when um, I was actually applying for a different job within the bank. It was one of the more prestigious groups called Securities Lending, and about 150 people applied. I was one of the final three, and I remember preparing for that interview, and I was all of 22 years old, uh, thinking I knew everything. (laughs) Don't we all at that age? (laughs) Right, and uh, so I thought long and hard about what this gentleman needed, what his group needed, and how I would give it to him. And so I went into the interview and I said, this is what I think you need and this is how I can do it for you. I felt I solved all of his problems. And uh, it just, I I came out of that interview on top of the world. It was a wonderful experience. And then that weekend, my parents were visiting us and went for a long walk. And as was typical, my father and I took off. Uh, My wife, Christine, and my mom were left behind. And we just started talking and it was all of about four steps before I I couldn't wait any longer. And I shared the experience with my dad. I said, you know, dad, I went into this meeting. I told him what he wanted and and told him how I could give it to him. And he, my father, who was in this business for some 27 years, 
is very thoughtful and pensive. And he thought, he sort of paused. And then he said, you know, that's what I do every day. <laughs> and I said, wow, wait, tell me more about that. So he told me more about it. And your father was doing what at the time you had this conversation? He was an investment advisor uh, at Payne Weber at the time. And we, we just kept the conversation going a little bit. And then a few weeks later, he called and said, by the way, there's an opening at Payne Weber in Concord. And so I called up the branch manager in Concord and one thing led to another. And that started my career in this business and, and built you know, I, I built my business over in Concord and, and largely southwestern New Hampshire for about four years. And was it as you expected that that first experience? Largely. Yeah, I, I didn't know too much about what to expect. I didn't honestly, I didn't know much about what my father did, even though that's what he was doing all the time when I was growing up. I came to understand it much better uh, and, and pretty quickly. And it was it was a lot of work. It was taking personal risks in terms of just dialing for dollars. There was a lot of cold calling involved. I literally called out of the white pages in the wow. Cheshire County phone book. And I would call and call and call. And then whenever I could, I'd get in the car and go see people and meet with them in their living rooms and, and get to understand them. And it was a heck of an experience and, and one that taught me a lot of lessons. And you also stayed with that company after UBS, Swissone Bank bought Payne Weber in, in 2000 and spent your, your whole career there. So anything you can share about your career path, you know, at UBS and, and what kept you there for so long? Yeah, it was a, it was a, a great career at UBS, I would say. I met a lot of very good people, had a lot of good colleagues in, in both branches and learned a lot from them. The firm was was good in that it, it gave us a tremendous amount of support, uh, you know, structure around us for us to run our businesses essentially the way we wanted. And then the team that I was on that started out just with my father and our still our current assistant, Susan Welsh, we had a lot of evolutions over that whole time to the point where in 2019, it was a team of six. And we really evolved into what I would call today a virtual family office, just doing a lot of work for, for a core group of clients and uh, kept adding the right people here and there um, to, to really build into what we saw for the future. Interesting that you're talking about a family office or practice, despite being part of this large global bank. That's the way we treated it. We, we treated it as if we were running our business. And that meant addressing a lot of key tasks for clients. We had a, a fair amount of independence in terms of the types of clients that we worked with, the types of investments we used, the, uh, the planning that we did. And so they, they did allow us that space to, to evolve the way we wanted. And your role there was a portfolio manager, if I'm not mistaken, or that was one of many roles? Right. I was a senior portfolio manager at the firm, and, and we had Joe and Helen working on planning, and then my other partner, Jack, helped me on the investment front as well. And how long did you work with your father then? I was partners with my dad until the end of 2001, which was four years. About a year and a half prior to that, Joe Powers joined us when we recognized the value of planning 
and we wanted a dedicated lead person for advanced planning. So we brought him on and that was, that was a, a new evolution really for the industry. Not many people did that at the time. It was, it was a wonderful time working with my dad. There were also some challenges. And what's somewhat unfortunate is that later in those four years, we understood better what those challenges were. And those came out in a lot of team building activities, using some profiling tools like Myers-Briggs and other things. My dad and I have a lot in common. And then we've got some differences. And it, it took, <laughs> it was only about a, a year before he retired when we really began to understand those differences much better. At what point did you start to think about leaving and starting your own firm and talking to um, your fellow team members about that? There were there were two parts to it. The first part, it's hard to pinpoint an exact time because sure. I am a student of the industry and I love learning about other business models, how people are running wealth management firms. I learn, love learning from other great financial advisors from around the country who are at all different kinds of firms. And so I, I was, had been aggregating that knowledge for quite a few years. And some, some ideas were starting to seep into my mind about independence. And then it was really May of 2017, a, a very specific conversation that I had with a gentleman from who owned another independent firm. And the conversation went fairly quickly to whether or not we should join his firm. Those conversations continued for quite a while, probably seven or eight months. But during that time, we ended up investigating a lot of other areas and doing a lot of due diligence to end up where we are today. And so at what point did you and your fellow UBS bankers decide to, to go for it? You completed the due diligence and you pressed go or not to oversimplify it, but what was that time frame? That conversation I was referring to earlier was in May of 17. Right. Um, and then in July of 18, we committed to be independent and then launched on May 9th of 2019. You said all systems were pointing toward reasons for being independent, but you must also have had some, some mixed emotions about leaving a company you spent the bulk of your career at. Oh, absolutely. We had good friends there. There were a lot of people that we respected and it's not a decision you take lightly. We, we knew we had one shot <laughs> and that's it. And we take our relationships with our clients so seriously that we had to make sure it was going to work out. And so even though we stacked everything in our favor as best as we could, I'll be very honest with you and say that there was a little bit of a feeling like we're throwing a party. We hope someone shows up. <laughs> and when we walked out of the building that day, we had no clients and we had to work our tails off to bring the clients over. But we, we, we thought we would be successful. We, in our due diligence, we knew that most people that do this are, successful in bringing over 90 to 95% of our clients, their clients. So we were as confident as we could be. There's always that little doubt nagging at you on the day uh, that, that made us nervous, but we, we plowed forward. Forged ahead. So backtracking just uh, very briefly, once you guys made the decision to leave, did you give yourselves a, a deadline for winding things down at UBS and then, you know, get this new venture up and starting? And how much time was there? How much time did you give yourselves? 
Well, first of all, there's no really winding down because okay. <laughs> as long as we were employed by UBS, we had a duty to number one, do what was right for our clients and number sure. two, do what was right for UBS. We, we had to do that. That's part of the, you know, the, the, that's what the rules are. And so we were, uh, we followed every rule to a T and that was one of them. So really when we hit May 9th, on May 8th, we were still operating as is. And on May 9th, we walked out those doors and started the firm. And it must've been hard to keep it under wraps as, as you were you were planning. You couldn't tell your new clients, yet it was all this excitement and, and feelings inside. So was, was it a stressful time? Very, yeah, it, it was a lot of work. You know, for, for the better part of a year, we were working two jobs. And essentially our spouses were the only ones that knew what we were doing. We were not allowed to tell any clients and we didn't. It was a, an absolute need to know. Some vendors were aware, but that's, you know, Dynasty was aware because they were helping us launch, but that was about it. And I can't thank my wife enough because there were a lot of late nights and she just kept saying, do what you gotta do, do what you gotta do. And without that, it would have been extremely difficult. Great. And tell me what inspired the name uh, Great Diamond Partners? (laughs) That was a bit of a funny story. So we had a marketing firm that we were working with that did many things well. Coming up with the name was probably the most difficult part. And we went through many exercises and probably four or five different rounds of sample names. Nothing really struck. And then... We, we did a lot of examining of names all around the state and came up with some really weird ones that I won't share. Uh, <laughs> in, the, in the end, we wanted the, the, the ideal name to me was something that people around here in you know, the general Portland area could relate to. And everyone knows of Great Diamond Island, which is just you know, a, a mile offshore here, if that. I also wanted a name that would travel well. And it's not too hard to, to think of Great Diamond and wealth management. It's not that much of a stretch. Whereas if we named it, you know, some other bit of geography after a river or a mountain or something or a bay, it would be harder to travel with that name. And to be honest, it, we wanted to be able to travel with the name. So we may have offices in other places. We certainly have clients all over the place. And so we wanted a name that would allow for that. In the end, it was Helen's husband, Charlie, that came up. He said, how about Great Diamond? Helen texted me the name, and I knew instantly that that, that was it. So uh, the last bit was coming up with partners, and that wasn't too difficult. So that was the sort of the birth of the name Great Diamond Partners. Great. A gem of a name, as it turned out. So exactly. now we are going to take a very short break to hear from our sponsors, and then we'll hear more about how you started Great Diamond Partners. This is not business as usual. Now more than ever, the Norway Savings Business Lending Team is here to help make sure you're still able to do what you do. But let's face it, this is not an easy time. We will get through it together. It's a great comfort seeing the business community in Maine rallying around one another. It's our job to rally around you. Norway Savings. Live your life in color. I felt like I had the weight of the world on me. And there were times when I said, what have I done? Welcome back. 
We're talking to Steve Tenney of Great Diamond Partners in Portland about the founding of the firm in 2019. So Steve, you were just telling us about how you and your colleagues left UBS to start this wealth management firm in 2019. Can you just briefly tell us of your fellow bankers who joined you in this entrepreneurial ventures? Yeah, I've got three great partners. I've been partners with Joe for the longest, which now is 20 years. He leads our advanced planning effort. Helen Andrioli is a fantastic leader of the firm and a great friend. She leads the admin team. I call her chief operating officer. She's also chief financial officer. And then Jack Piper does all of the execution and monitoring of our investment portfolios. He and I together run the investment effort. All four of us work with individual clients. And then uh, we have a fantastic admin team. Susan, as I said earlier, has been essentially with this team longer than I have by about a month. And so she's been with the team for 27 years. And then Andrew and Meg Scott are here. And Colleen Garrick has uh, been with us for almost a year. She actually started during the pandemic. And going back a bit to when you were planning the move, you were talking about how only people, a small circle of people were allowed to know about it. Was it hard to keep everything under wraps, especially as you guys were looking for new physical office? And Portland, as we know, is a very small city. It was from emotionally, it was hard not to tell people because we were incredibly excited about it. From a logistical standpoint, I would say, no, it wasn't because there was a hard and fast rule. You just don't tell anyone. Dynasty played a great role around in, in that or in that they were the ones that found the real estate they were the ones that uh integrated with the the attorney the compliance people etc and a lot of these vendors actually were outside of portland so we wouldn't risk anything and now walk us through that walk over to the new office which wasn't far away right no it's about 200 yards <laughs> So what was that like? Uh, Did you all walk in a single group when when you left UBS? I think we were split into two groups. I walked over with Joe. Very, very emotional. Again, we were leaving some good friends behind. And even though we still see them, we still talk with them. We just, you know, you don't see them at the water cooler. You're not sharing ideas with them every day. And so that was hard. And there was also apprehension. There was a lot of emotion going through me in that I, I had, I felt like I had the weight of the world on me. And there were times when I said, what have I done? I felt like not only the rest of the team, but all of their families and all of our clients were, were taking this risk because of an idea that I had. And that was an incredible weight. Fortunately, everything worked out. That's amazing. And you guys also were starting from day one. You didn't have any clients. You had to start from scratch and make cold calls like back in your first job. So what was that like? It was about two weeks of intense work. You know, the entire team worked for, I think it was about 15 days straight. And we were simultaneously uh, connecting with clients, 
trying to open accounts, dealing with the logistics of establishing the new firm, doing interviews like this. Uh, it, was, it was an unending effort and still there were some nerves involved. I will say for the admin team, it was exceptionally difficult because they were learning brand new systems. And fortunately we had a lot of help. Again, we had help from Dynasty. We had two or three people in the office here. We also had help from our custodian, Charles Schwab. They had at different times, one to three people in residence here. And uh, it would have been incredibly difficult to do. It was incredibly difficult anyway. Uh, it would have been near impossible to do without them, but we, we got through it. It was, and I will, I will say that it wasn't just 15 days of hard work, but that was what I called first gear. And then we got into second gear, which was still a lot of hard work. And that carried on for probably two months. Again, just dealing with the, the logistics of establishing the firm and, and transferring all of the accounts. And a good number of clients did choose to stay with you guys. Yeah, our, our goal was $480 million. And I would say we brought over north of 95% of the clients we wanted to come over. By mid-December, so seven months later, we had, we had hit $500 million. It was a tremendous success. We didn't plan on it in terms of, we didn't budget for that much of a success. We wanted to be very conservative. As it turns out, you know, at that point, we were in, I think, year three or four of our budget. So tremendously successful launch. Great. And did it feel liberating? I mean, was it a different atmosphere, you know, to be sort of the masters of your own destiny, if you will, a new physical space, a different culture? Oh, <laughs> uh, night and day. It, and, and, and that hit us right off the bat. And not a day goes by that we don't thank ourselves again and again and again for, for taking that risk and becoming independent. We would not want to have it any way. And one of the, the greatest elements of that you just hit on was culture. And we've spent a, a tremendous amount of time focused on the culture, establishing our values, articulating our purpose, our leadership principles, and subscribing to the whole concept of conscious capitalism, which is pretty rare in our industry and, and one that we believe very strongly in. Maybe you can just uh, briefly uh, explain that to listeners not familiar with it. Sure. Conscious capitalism is a concept where everything you do, every decision you make, every, everything you think about in the future is done through the lens of considering all stakeholders. And for us, those stakeholders are clients, employees, owners, strategic partners, community, and environment. We've got a lot of generous employee policies. So unlimited paid time off. Not a lot of companies do that. And that by doing that, we're saying, we trust you guys. We trust you to do your jobs really well. We trust that you're going to take the time off that you need to, to be healthy. And we trust you to, to schedule it appropriately and make sure that clients and everyone at the firm are you know, being taken care of. We also, interestingly, this was, we decided this before the pandemic hit, a policy of working where and when you want. If you want to sit on an island in the BVIs and do your work, that's fine. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I have been able to work from Florida and Montana and, 
and places like that. And, and I'm getting even more creative now that we've re really proven we can work from anywhere. Taking that a step further, we actually practiced a day back in February, a year ago. We had a mandated day of being outside of the office. We didn't before tell the lockdown or the shutdown. Yeah, but before it. And we didn't tell any clients that we were out of the office. We recognized a couple of things that had to be tweaked. But then a month later on that, you know, March 12th and 13th, when we said, okay, guess what, guys, we're, we're out. It was pick up your laptops and go home. Great. And we didn't, we didn't miss a beat. We did have to buy some extra technology. We bought some, you know, second screens. We bought docking stations external keyboards and, and mice. But again, those decisions were decisions we made. And, um, you know, that that's a, just an incredibly comforting and empowering feeling to have when, when you're independent. How is business going now in, in 2021? So when we, when again, when we launched, our goal was $480 million. By the end of the year, we were about $500 million. Right now, I believe we're north of $570 million. New business is stronger than it ever has been. I think it's a result of, number one, being independent. We were told by quite a few people that, uh, other professionals that we work with, that plain and simple, they're more likely to refer business to us now that we are independent. We didn't expect that. We were very pleased by it, uh, but it wasn't expected. I think the work that Meg does around marketing is tremendous and the image that she portrays has made a big difference. And then honestly, it's the enthusiasm we have, the, the pride we have in this firm. We love telling the story and that enthusiasm comes through and, and attracts people to the firm. Great. And where do you see great Diamond Partners going forward in terms of uh, growth and hiring and, and so forth in the shorter or longer term? Yeah, we, we do want to hire more people. Um, sometimes they're very focused positions that where there's a, a, a well-defined need. And then other times we want to bring on, you know, established advisors and teams. We're not being constrained by geography. If that if that team is in Maine, if they're in New Hampshire, if they're in St. Louis or Florida, it doesn't matter. We'll work the with, the limit. yeah, it really is. As long as they bring talents that will enhance what we do for clients and that they not only buy into our values and our culture, but they'll help improve the culture. There are certain things that we are inflexible on, like our belief in conscious capitalism, our fundamental values. We're not going to be, we're not flexing on those at all. However, what we do for people and how we execute on it, uh, we've got a lot of great ideas that we're going to need help on. And if we can find some talent out there that can help us grow, we really look forward to talking with them. Good stuff. So we're now going to take another very short break and then we will wrap up with lessons learned from this whole experience of starting Great Diamond Partners. As the CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business in Maine, you've got the weight of the world on you. But what if you didn't have to go at it alone? What if you could journey with an elite team of peers who've got your back and an experienced guide who knows the lay of the land? With that level of support, how far could you go? For more than 60 years, Vistage, the world's leading executive coaching and peer advisory organization, has been helping leaders reach new heights. Learn more at vistage.com. That's V-I-S-T-A-G-E dot com. 
you don't have to figure out everything. It's not ready, aim, fire. Sometimes it's ready, fire, aim. We are back Stop talking to Steve Tenney of Great Diamond Partners about starting an independent wealth management firm in Portland. So it's now been two years, nearly two years since you launched Great Diamond Partners, probably feels like a lifetime ago. So looking back now, what's it been like to be an entrepreneur? I absolutely love it. It's it's a lot of work. It's it's great to be released into a, a possible a, a framework where uh, I'm a true entrepreneur, and we as a team and as a firm are true entrepreneurs. The the thing I love the most about that is the creativity. Um, you know, being able to solve challenges for clients, being able to solve challenges for strategic partners, and also the firm. And I'm finding solutions all over the place. And it, that's what drives me every day. It's, you know, you, you put a challenge in front of me, I, I just get so excited to find a solution for that challenge. And, you know, it's, it's how we approach our work with clients too. And, and that's, you know, clients have challenges, we wanna solve for those. And as a business owner yourself, what do you now know about running a business that helps you be a better advisor to clients in similar situations? Probably the biggest thing is recognizing my strengths and our strengths, and then surrounding myself and ourselves with people that have complementary skills. Right. Now, during your long career, you've seen stock market booms and busts, including just the last year alone. Any lessons from these ups and downs for, for yourself or for investors? Yeah. The, the, again, the focus is always on the relationship. And anytime we go through a crisis like the tech bubble back in 2002, uh, the financial crisis in 07 to 09, and then the pandemic, uh, we always, always go back to the relationship. And what is, first of all, is, is, are they okay? What questions do they have? How can we help? And then it goes to the financial plan. And are we on track? Mm -hmm. and if we're on track, then we can really afford to be patient and let the investment accounts do what they do it's no one likes to see account values go down but historically we know that it's very very likely they're going to not only rebound but then go to new highs and that's what we saw in this most recent downturn back in february and march when the pandemic hit in, two, in 2020 um, that was scary that was probably the most intense bear market we've seen because it was such a short period of time but the fundamentals really held true. It starts with the relationship, checking in on people, answering their questions, communicating, is the financial plan all set? And then finally, okay, let's look at the investments and, and are we on track there? Right. Obviously a very unprecedented times. And finally, based on your experience of, of setting up this venture, what advice would you give fellow entrepreneurs no matter what field they're in about, you know, leaving their comfort zone and going into the unknown to start something from scratch. First of all, do it. Okay. <laughs> if you really want to grow, if you're a, a visionary, a, a true entrepreneur in your heart, by definition, that means getting uncomfortable. 
So do your homework. You don't have to figure out everything. It's not ready, aim, fire. Sometimes it's ready, fire, aim. You, <laughs> you got to figure things, a few things out as you go. But growth comes from discomfort. And you've got to get a little bit uncomfortable and just take the dive. You want to, you want to be smart. You want to do your homework. But then do it. And to a certain extent, there's figuring out as you go. The Day That Changed Everything is a production of Main Biz. Find out more about this podcast and other Main Biz media products at mainbiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI or Main Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. The Main Biz podcast team includes Donna Broussard, Allison Nason, Renee Cordes, Maureen Milliken, Will Hall, and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedenka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. Subscribe at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Copyright 2021.